Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and we are rejoined by Marcus Barahall, former co-host of Locked On Nets and one of Gavin's best buddies. And Gavin, we're continuing our draft of all the NBA teams. There's some good teams still left on the board, including perhaps the namesake of this podcast that perhaps yours truly wound up taking. Yeah, you know, if you were questioning why we did this and you said, hey, guys, you weren't talking about the Knicks at all. We do talk about the Knicks a little in this episode, so that's exciting. There's also a team that was recently in the NBA Finals, another one that could have as many as three All-Stars this year. The Knicks are in some good company. We'll tell you exactly where they place right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. We want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or Taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor in chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play by play broadcaster's favorite play by play broadcaster. And we are, as we said, joined once again by one of Gavin's good friends, former co host of Locked On Nets, Marcus Barahall, to continue going through our draft of all teams. We basically, our, our basic criteria is what teams would we want to be in charge of for the next 10 years, which teams would have the best chances of potentially winning a championship and future success. We've gotten pretty far in this draft. We're in the third part, and yet there's still so many good teams left on the board. I'm excited to get into them. I won't hold this up any further. Let's get back into it with Marcus Bearhall. Yeah. Uh, so with my second pick, um, I kind of debated this one, but I, I think they're just too good to not take them uh, here. I went with the Suns. Um, we're just in the finals a couple seasons ago. Uh, still have a really good team right now with Booker, Paul, Aiton, and Bridges. Uh, and then in terms of the future, uh, Booker, Aiton, and Bridges, all 26 and under, all under contract through uh, at least 2026. Um, so I think most of their core is going to remain intact. Hopefully, you know, the Chris Paul effect can last beyond his contract and, you know, the kind of uh, values that he's instilled in these guys as players will, will carry on. Monty Williams, big fan of him. Uh, I think he's a great coach. Um, and then there's also the rumors that maybe they'll, they'll trade for Kevin Durant uh, and blow up that future in an effort to win a title right now once DeAndre Ayton is, is eligible to be traded. Um, I just think they have options in terms of uh, pivoting by trading those young guys, or if not, um, they have them all under contract for a long time. I think they'll be pretty good this year. Um, probably not like the one seed like they were this past season or, or a finals team like they were the year before that, but I think they're a solid team that should get to at least the second round uh, this year. And maybe if things break their way, it can go even further. Yeah, they were the top team left on my board. I, I guess what you're going for at this point is, is good, not great. Because I, I just, I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong about this, like pending a KD trade, which I don't see happening there. There's just such a, there's a ceiling to some extent there where I think Booker is is almost like who he is. I think he's going to top out as like somewhere between the fifth and 10th best player in the league, which is obviously exceptional. But you, you almost... 
I, I still think need someone better than him to win a championship. And, and that was Chris, like on the, uh, the year they played the Bucks, and obviously like a few bounces go a different direction. Like Giannis is just like 10% worse. Like they, they won a championship and they pulled it off. Um, the, the swing factor there for me is if Aiton has another level and obviously just everything that happened with him, both in the Dallas series and then in this off season, like leaves a sour taste in my mouth in terms of like, if he can be that guy, if he wants to be that guy, like all these rumors about him, like that, he, uh, not even rumors. I think he openly says this, that he plays video games until like five in the morning. He said when he got drafted, like his only goal was to get a second contract so that was always always my concern uh with deandre Aiden. um but he, he flashed some real stuff against the pelicans too where he was just a monster and they wouldn't have won that series without him so if he if he still has an all-star ceiling i would revise that and move the suns even further up because i love bridges i love cam i love monty um it's just sort of like what's what wh- how how great can they be but that that was they would have been my next pick too i, I don't know about you alex yeah they were right up there um I, maybe my team that i'm about to pick i would have had very slightly above just because of the the young talent aspect. But I mean, I think the Suns, you know, the, the, the championship aspirations do have an expiration date. And I think that's whenever Chris Paul decides to retire, um, unless they're able to swing a trade for some other star at some point, just because I don't know if Booker by himself is singular enough to like both organize the team like Paul does and be the primary scoring option. Like, I think he kind of, has to just be the primary scoring option and still have someone out there, maybe not as good as Paul, but at least in the general conversation to sort of organize the offense and basically run the place for everybody but Booker. You know what I mean? Um, So I I have a little bit of pause there, but I do think they have a great core. You know, you want to talk about a young core, like they have a potentially, as, as was already alluded to, a potentially tradable young core with Aiton, you know, could potentially go out as a centerpiece of a deal for, a much bigger star because he does, he's just entering his second contract. He's still so young, you know, he's got a lot left to build on potentially uh, even with some of those concerns that you mentioned, Gavin. So uh, they also have bridges who could, you know, who was a defensive player of the year finalist this year. I mean, could easily go out as part of a deal as like a centerpiece as well. So we'll see where they end up going. Uh, my next team though. And this, again, I'm sort of live shifting my, uh, my tears around a little bit as we go here, just because I, I talk myself into this team as I was looking at them more. Uh, I'm going to go and this, I don't know if this is going to be a, a reach or not, but I think I'm going to go with the Cavs here. Um, not a reach. Right, right, right where I had him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just really love, I love what they did this past year. Like I'm super in on this like jumbo front court that they have going on because they have one. I, like, I think honestly that the Timberwolves are trying to replicate that. But I don't think it's going to work because Cat might be better th- on offense than Mobley right now. And I only say right now because I think Mobley could get better on offense than Cat potentially somewhere down the line. But like defensively, that front court is not going to hold up because of Cat. Whereas you can trot out two guys that could play center in Mobley and Allen with the Cavs and still be credible because they're both so good on defense that they just turned that team into such a juggernaut on that end. Um, they're also still super young. Allen is locked in on, I won't say a super value contract given his position, but I think a fair value deal, which at the time it was signed, I thought it was going to be not a fair value deal. Um, now at this point, I'm like, yeah, I think he's easily worth the money. Um, Mobley, you know, you have three more years of a rookie deal with Garland, you know, uh, is, you know, about to start his extension, but, 
you know, whatever I, I, he's well worth it. You know, he's a first time all-star this year and everything else. Like I, I really think they've got a really bright future ahead of them. They also have, you know, uh, most of their picks intact. They did. They are probably, as long as they make the playoffs this year, they're going to lose their draft pick to Indiana, but they have the ability beyond that to still either make a big splash for like another star at some point, which is probably one of the biggest detractors of them to me is that you have to bring someone via, someone in via trade. Like unless LeBron decides to have another go around at age like 41 or whatever, um, they're not going to sign a big free agent. Like that's just not what Cleveland does. Uh, so you're going to have to trade for somebody or just organically, you know, grow somebody. Um, into another star. And I think Mobley's going to be that. Obviously, Garland already is that. Allen is like gonna be a go bear level presence, I think, you know, like in terms of just how much he affects things on defense. And then he might never really have a jump shot or anything, but he's at least a phenomenal lob threat on offense that's not gonna like kill you in any way um on the offensive end. And so yeah, that's where I'm at with them. Uh, I I think they've they've got the ability to make a move at some point down the line. The thing is going to be like, just are they going to have the the cojones to sort of like, as a small market team, make that pull and say, all right, we'll trade some future draft capital, which is so valuable to us as a small market team, and try to actually win the championship with this core. But I do think that they're sort of revolutionizing the NBA right now as far as like that super big front court. And I think that's going to be like the new wave that everybody's trying to emulate and probably failing at because not every team is going to have Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. Yeah. I think it depends on how high you are on Mobley, but I, I don't know about you, Marcus. I, I think that they would have probably been my next pick. Yeah. I had them 15th on my board and this is the 14th pick we've done. So it's pretty much right in line. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I, it's, it's kind of just like, what do you think Garland and Mobley's ceiling are? Like, can they be like one and two on like close to a championship team? I don't, I think they could definitely be one and two on like an Eastern Conference Finals team. Um, and then to your point, Alex, it's like some package of I think they're really counting on one getting Sexton to agree to uh, to a contract that is uh, below what his value probably should be. Um, though no one around the NBA seems to have a ton of interest in him, so maybe that just is his value. And then Sexton kind of like replicating the season he had two seasons ago and finding a way to package him and Allen, maybe Levert, maybe one young guy and like a bunch of picks into like a, a really good wing, like a Paul George level wing. If you threw in someone of that talent level into the mix here, like that's a that's a finest contender for years to come. So I, I almost think we might be too low on them. Um, All right, we'll be right back getting through some of our favorite teams for the next 10 years in this multi-episode NBA team draft here, but I got to remind you guys, today's episode is brought to you by the NHTSA. Are you one of those people who think it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit. It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is your reaction times slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. I think unless unless I'm totally confused, I believe I have two picks in a row now. So I, um, I'm, I'm torn here um, because I have Miami uh, highest on my board. but and And the thing with Miami is they're just 
perennial winners, right? They, they never seem to be bad, like fantastic management. Um, obviously, Pat Riley's getting up there, but they have arguably the best coach in the league in Eric Spolster. Get great infrastructure, like one three-pointer rimming out away from making the finals, and who, who knows who would have happened against Golden State this year. But I just can't shake the feeling that they still they need a player better than Jimmy Butler to, to win it all. And that guy just isn't easily accessible for them. And the only way it is accessible is, like, I think, like, a package with, like, Bam, Hero, and, like, some picks. And if you do that, you just don't have any core to put around that guy. And Jimmy is too old. So I'm going to put I'm gonna put Miami on the shelf for the sake of drafting uh, two young teams with uh, very bright futures in the uh, Houston Rockets and Detroit Pistons. Uh, I went back and forth on what order to have them, but I drafted both of them, so I don't really have to care about that. Um, Detroit is, is all about Kate Cunningham. Um, I don't think he's going to be Luca, but I think he's going to be like maybe like a 10 to 15% less version of Luca, which is a really good player to build around. Like I, I see a world where he ends up being the best kind of championship team. He was just so, so good the second half of his rookie year and like just how unselfish he is. I think he's, he's a kind of quintessential organizational cornerstone that you just don't find around the NBA. The issue with Detroit is there just isn't that much else. I love there. Like I, I was, I was super into their draft as, as everyone who listens to podcasts know, like wanted the Knicks to get Jaden Ivy at all costs. Jalen Duran, I think is going to be a really nice defensive center. Um, I still, uh, Sadiq Bay is solid. Isaiah Stewart is solid. There just isn't really like a clear cut. Like they really need Ivy to be an all-star for them to have like a future to justify this kind of pick, but I'm, I'm kind of just that in on Cade. And then Houston is maybe a little bit more questionable, but I kind of just love that they basically have the rights to the next draft for the next six, seven years. I think Jalen Green could lead the NBA in scoring one day. Like he, he's just that smooth, that good of a shooter, that athletic around the rim. Um, this is putting a lot of pressure on Jabari Smith to turn into like an elite three and D guy, which I don't think he's going to be a star, but I think he's going to be about as good of a role player as there is in the NBA. And then just some of the side pieces they have, obviously with Porter, there's a lot of like personality off the court stuff they have to figure out there, but he's, I think he's just a fantastic talent and they just have so much flexibility with all those picks that I'm, I kind of think they're, they're similar to OKC, but I think I like Jalen green more than any one guy in Oklahoma city. So I'm, I'm kind of happy getting both of those teams this late, but judging by the expression you guys had, you, you probably did not have them quite as high as I did. I had the Pistons up there. Uh, the Rockets, I was a little lower on. Um, I'm just not totally sold on Jalen Green, mostly as a two-way guy. I, I do agree offensively. I think he's good. But I think we've seen kind of like with the Bradley Beal Wizards, like you need more than just a, a combo guard who can score really well to to have an actually good NBA team. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Shangun. Um, I like um, Jabari Smith, although he wasn't great in summer league. Um, it's not really like the kind of, venue for that type of player to really succeed um i like what they're building um i just probably wouldn't have taken them <laughs> yeah i'm sort of i'm sort of the same boat you know i had detroit higher i like their young core better you know i think Cade has the potential to be a top 10 nba player at some point which is a huge th- i mean i don't think he's close to that right now but you know if, if he continues on the trajectory that he set out this year who knows um you know i think he was really uh, he Came on a little slow this year, but really finished strong. And I like what they have in him. I am not sold on uh, Jalen Green being able to turn into that guy. I think Jalen Green's ceiling is maybe like, mm, I don't know. I mean, Devin Booker, maybe, you know? And I mean, that's not to say Booker's a bad player, but, you know, sort of like what I was just saying with Booker, where I don't think that he can necessarily be like, the guy and then some, you know what I mean? The guy that's setting the table and scoring for himself and playing defense, you know, that sort of thing. Like, I, I think that he's more just a a guy that's going to be a great scorer in the NBA, but how much is that really worth? You know what I mean? Like, 
Monta Ellis was a great scorer in the NBA too. Yeah, was Beal, Beal was a great example by Marcus. Be, Bradley Beal too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. great scorer, but you know, we've seen if he's like your starring attraction, what's your ceiling? The the eight seed, you know. Um, and then you know they have a ton of draft capital, which should have probably pushed them a little higher up my list, but I also just don't have a ton of confidence in them for whatever reason in, in that regard. Um, we'll see how things work out this year. I did like the Easton pick a lot for them. Mm. And he obviously looked really good in summer league. So if Easton and Smith come out and they're looking like a legit front court pairing for them, then, okay, I, you know, I'm willing to move them up later on in the year and, and be like, all right, well, they have the draft capital then to draft that guy other than Jalen Green, you know, to be better than Jalen Green and let Jalen Green just slot in as a top scorer rather than a top player. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Pistons, though, like I said, I, I had them pretty high. Happy, though, that this gives me an opportunity to take the next team on my board, which I was worried, Gavin, you might take, given the show that we are on and the, you know, uh, the things that we talk about every day. But oh, it's the Brooklyn Nets. Right, exactly, <laughs> yes. Now, I'm happy to have the New York Knicks come to me here. I'm nice. going to go with the Knicks. Um, I don't even think this is being a homer, right? We're now on, what, pick 16, 17? 17, um, yeah. 17, so, I mean... I don't think this is a homer pick at all. I think they have they have a promising young core, and I'm not going to do this song and dance that that we and every other Knicks fan does every single offseason of talking myself out of R.J. Barrett. Like he has actual star potential. Like for real, he averaged over 20 points per game in his third season in the NBA. Yes, his efficiency took a little bit of a hit this year, but he was doing so much more self creation. Like he's legit. He is he is a legit player. He is. If this Donovan Mitchell trade goes through, he's probably going to be the third offensive option or maybe second behind Mitchell and potentially Jalen Brunson. He's not going to have to play off Julius Randle anymore, who just randomly decides to freeze him out for whole stretches at a time. You know, I like RJ a lot. I think that he is one of the better, like, young assets in the league, uh, contrary to what everybody says. Um, I also think, you know, they have as much draft capital as pretty much anyone, which is going to come to light with the Mitchell trade. Obviously, they're going to spend a decent amount of draft picks. But I think an important thing for me is that, you know, I'm assuming that we're going to be in a Donovan Mitchell is a Nick world here in the next month or so. And even once that happens, they're not going to leave the, the you know, the, the coffers completely dry, you know, or completely empty, whatever. Like they're going to still have some draft picks in reserve, some young players in reserve the ability to still make another deal uh, down the line. Plus they have Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin who we're, we're super high on. I feel like I don't have to make a huge case for the Knicks here because we're literally on the Knicks podcast. But uh, my last thing that I'll say is that contrary to some of these other teams on this list to have the draft capital and make some stuff happen. I think we're seeing in the Leon Rose era, the Knicks are actually a free agent destination. Like yeah. you could argue that they're not getting a LeBron James or something these last few years, but especially the last two years, they have gotten two of the biggest names on the free agent market, you know, that were available or three or however many you want to say, they've gotten some of the biggest names available on the free agent market the last two seasons. And that counts for something. That means that at some point, if they can position themselves in that way, when the cap hikes up or something and can potentially, you know, position themselves well to add another star via free agency, as well as still having enough to trade for one, I, I think they could potentially be in really good shape. But again, you know, past results and stuff have to count for something here. And the Knicks, you know, they're not a title contender or something by any means right now. Even after a Mitchell trade, they won't be. It's going to be predicated on what they can do with what they have after that. But that's sort of the category we're in at this point anyway. So I, I feel pretty good about putting them here. 
Yeah, I had uh, I had them slash us at uh, depending on how I'm feeling uh, from a journalistic perspective at uh, at 19. Um, so right right in the mix, uh, I'm not far off. I, I think it's it's similar to the case I made against some of these other teams where like, everyone I've drafted and pretty much everyone that everyone has drafted has like a number one guy that I would take over anyone on the Knicks. And I would say there are still a couple teams on the board that that is, is true for, at least for me, like Orlando with Palo. I think I'd still rather have than any one guy in New York. And you, you can go, I mean, you could argue for Trey Young. I know most Knicks fans wouldn't. I, I don't know if I even necessarily would, but uh, on and on and on. But just the depth of talent that the Knicks have is fantastic. The pick equity they have is fantastic. I think, most of us have settled into a place where we're pretty confident in, in Nick's management going forward. Um, it's going to be, I, I hate to phrase it this way, but whoever their next coaching hire is, is going to be a big swing factor for me because I think they need someone more creative than, than Tom Thibodeau to take things up a level. If they do make that Donovan Mitchell trade, but there, there's a lot to like here. So I've, I've, I have no issue with that, but Marcus is as the one guy here who I, I know you like the Knicks, but, but not a Knicks fan um, who, what, what do you think about it? Yeah, I, I had the Knicks 23, which is, Lower than this, but not like dramatically lower than this, I think. So I would have maybe taken them like next round. So not a, not a big jump. Um, yeah, I, I, I think you said it well. I think they're positioned pretty well. I do like RJ Barrett a lot and um, particularly like as a two-way guy, um, like we just talked about with, with Jalen Green, how that can kind of be limiting. I think RJ can fit really well with another guy. And Alex, I, I think your point about uh, being a free agent destination my first instinct was to be like, oh, the Knicks like haven't really signed anyone, but that's kind of not how it works anymore. It's more so being in the discussion for trading for a guy like Donovan Mitchell because he wants to come here. It's guys re-upping on deals and then asking for a trade more so than, you know, in the 2010 era of the NBA, letting your contract run out and then signing with the team you want to sign with. Kind of um, the way that Carmelo Anthony, ironically, came to the Knicks has kind of become the main way that guys go where they want to go. So, um I don't know, just my first instinct was to be like, the Knicks haven't really signed a ton of guys, you know, Jalen Brunson aside. Um, but I think that's kind of an old way of thinking. And I think that they are in a good position with that um, amount of picks that we that we mentioned and with all their young guys, you know, even down to guys like like Grimes and, and Toppin and Quickly, who you mentioned, like not just the, the RJ level guys, um, pedigree wise. Um, they have a lot of assets to trade for those guys who seemingly do want to come to the Knicks now. So it's not a bad pick. Um, I think you're, you're back up now, Marcus. I am. Um, boy, um, there's a few teams that have been mentioned that I'm kind of circling, just trying to decide. I think I'm going to take the Orlando Magic, who you just mentioned, Gav. Um, Paolo Bancaro, I think he could be legit. Um, they've got Franz, who's had a really outstanding rookie season and, and can seemingly uh, similar to Barrett, kind of like fit with a lot of different types of players. Um, Jalen Suggs really disappointed, but I think uh, he could bounce back this year. I really liked Wendell Carter and that whole trade sending Vucevic out was phenomenal because that also got them the pick to take Franz. Um, and then there's just kind of like guys who I, I don't really see on a ton of teams like Fultz and Isaac who have like these high ceilings that, you know, they could be something great. Um, but even if they're not something great, like the Magic do have that young core that I just mentioned who uh, they can build around. So they're not really counting on guys like Fultz and Isaac to bounce back from their respective injuries and, and you know, kind of carry them to the next level. But if they do, I think that's an upside that a lot of uh, kind of these more future-oriented teams don't have in terms of guys who 
have like the pedigree of faults or the level of, of play that we've seen briefly from Isaac uh, when he did play, I think like two years ago in the bubble. So, you know, before, I, before I, I was think a there's a lot of possibility. Yeah. That's right. Before he became known for some other things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I had the magic among the next two teams on my board as well. I like them. I mean, I, I think they're another one of those cases. They're almost like the, the anti Houston in a way where like, they don't necessarily have that huge excess of draft capital going forward, though they probably won't be good enough this year to like make their pick not super valuable. Um, so they'll probably still end up with a top 10 pick this year, even with all this talent on the team. But like they're like the opposite of Houston and me because they have all the talent now. They have this huge collection of young talent that seems, at least on the surface, to have a, a really big amount of potential to them. Um, and they just haven't started putting it together yet as far as winning. Uh, but they still have, you know, all their own draft picks in place. They're also, they're never going to sign a huge free agent period. Like they, they got to build this team organically. So I think they're going about it the right way. Uh, if they, I mean, if something would happen where they end up getting the number one pick this coming year and they get Weminyama, like forget about it. I would have them so high, like, yeah. because then they've basically got it figured out at like almost every position, depending on how you feel about their like guard situation. But like, that's just such a nasty core at that point. Um, with when you could potentially trot out Franz, Paolo, and and Wembenyama, like yeah. f- forget about it. Or even if you just take you get two pick, take Scoot Henderson. You have Scoot, uh, you know whoever works out out of like Suggs or Fultz or whatever, and then Franz, uh, Paolo, and still Wendell Carter. That's awesome too. Um, so they've got a lot of options going forward. I, I like their young core a lot. That's why I would have them above like the Houston Rockets. I think because. I like that there's already something I can I can see, I can touch like <laughs> in front of me. It's not all theoretical, you know, like they already have a really good young core in place and it's not all just like TBD with a hundred draft picks, you know. Um, so I, I could see a world where in the next few years they become potentially a playoff team again. And maybe that just means they cap out around where they used to be, like tops of five, six seed sort of thing, and maybe surprise some people and win a first round series at some point or whatever, but I think they're going to be an entertaining team no matter what. Yeah, I was, I, them in Houston was a toss up for me. I'm, I'm super high on Franz. I think he's going to be like a, like multi-time all-star when it's all said and done. I think Paolo has that potential too. For me, it's, it's similar to Oklahoma city and they're almost like a poor man's version of new Orleans in this sense. It's just like how they kind of like condense and like, and move around all these pieces because right now I think Fultz, Suggs and Cole Anthony, I look at those guys and I see, three like fantastic backup point guards or three like low level starting point guards. Ideally they could just combine all of them into someone like about as good as like a Ty Lawson was back in the day, like a sub all-star, like nice player. It's just, how are they going to move those pieces? Does Isaac make any sense on their team? I think they're desperate for more shooting. They really need Paolo to turn into a 37% or 38% three point shooter for this all to make sense. But I, I like all the pieces. And, and defensively, if, if Isaac is anything close to what he was two years ago, they're just going to be so nasty defensively. So that that is uh, really exciting. All right, guys, that is it for this episode with Marcus. We will be back one more time with him to wrap up this draft. Who, who, are, who are the dregs of the NBA? We'll answer that next time on Locked on Knicks. And we'll be back with way more fun content. Just a month out of training camp. Got some exciting stuff planned. But until next time, he's Alex. I'm Gavin. Be good. Peace out. Bye.